revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. What's up, everybody? We are back, and I am alone for one more week as Mr. Witz is in St. Louis for an Edward Jones conference. I'm not sure he would be happy with me saying where he works, but yeah, if you need some financial advice, feel free to call up Witz and Witz um, Edward Jonesians. I don't know. I don't really have a sales pitch for him or a marketing campaign because I don't get paid to do that. What I do get paid to do, which is also a lie, is provide you guys with sports information. So we're here at the Sporting Edge with Roz. I'm here to dominate the day. Get you some information about college sports around the globe, which is really just in the United States, as well as talk some NFL, NBA, and uh, we're still waiting for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. I know there's moves in Major League Baseball that we should go over, but I'm going to leave that to Wits when he returns next week on the uh, long-awaited return episode of Mr. Wits. But let's start off with some college basketball. We've got a lot going on. The rankings are ever-changing, are ever-moving. We've got Kansas still at number one. They've got a week ahead of them. Saturday, they'll be at Arizona State. Always to me an interesting game. You're traveling pretty far across the country. Arizona State's not a not a pushover. I think this is a game Kansas does need to go in and win. They did win against South Dakota 89-53 in a convincing blowout earlier this week. Um, I think Saturday will be a nice little road test for them before they hit Big 12 conference play. They're really, uh, they're really impressive um, being undefeated at this point. 10-0. They're looking good. I think this is just going to be another Jayhawk Big 12 year. I don't think there's anybody kind of in their way. They're going to be a traditional one seed. My whole thing with them, though, is if their guard play does falter, they are young guards, that's going to be their problem down the stretch and during tournament time. I've never really been one to pick Kansas to go all the way. This is a good-looking Kansas Jayhawk team, but there's no better team to me than the Duke Blue Devils, sitting at 11-1, number two in our AP Top 25 awesome game against Texas Tech last night and that's you might have been worried they were down they were trailing it was a close game maybe you think they should be beating the snot out of this team but keep in mind Texas Tech was an elite eight team last year they were undefeated before last night's game and Duke pulling away at the end 69-58 the final score of that game impressive to say the least let me tell you Duke they made all the big plays at the end of the game and when 
the most important thing in, during March Madness is how you finish the game. I've seen teams go on stretches such as Dayton against Oklahoma a couple years ago where they can't score the final seven minutes of the game, and we saw them hold Texas Tech without a field goal for the final 6-22 of the game. So it's really impressive on, on Duke's end how they closed out the game, and if they're really able to do that against elite teams, t- Texas Tech to me being a pretty good team, maybe not elite yet, I think it's really impressive and showing a lot. I know they have that one loss to Gonzaga. Gonzaga has been falling down a little bit. But Duke Blue Devils covering Raz's spread and beating Texas Tech was a big win for the number two Blue Devils. We've got number three Tennessee, 9-1 and one this week. They beat Sanford, who covered. Sanford, by the way, 10-1 and one against the spread. If you're looking for a team to gamble on, I love Sanford. They did, of course... The one time they lost against the spread was against me, or after I picked them, but they are quick to get back on the horse for Roz. I'm a big Sanford guy. They did cover, losing only 70-83. to 83. They were 22-point underdogs. But Tennessee getting the job done. They're 9-1. and one. They've got a game against Wake Forest on Saturday. Again, this will be at home. I think this is another important win against an ACC opponent. Show that the SEC is competing with the top upper echelon of conferences, which is the ACC, and we'll get into the NC State win over Auburn, which was very impressive on NC State's end, but Tennessee, again, they're the name at the top of the SEC right now, Kentucky slipping, Auburn slipping, we don't know how the SEC holds up against the rest of the world, but we'll see when it comes to SEC basketball time who's going to come out on top of that conference, because I think ultimately they will make it the furthest in the tournament. And I think it's going to be a rough year for the SEC as well as the Pac-12 once we do reach tournament time. We've got Nevada. I lied. We've got Michigan at number four. Michigan, the fourth-ranked team in the country right now. Not a lot going on this week other than a matchup against Air Force at home. Um, you can see that on the Big Ten Network. They are 11-0, still undefeated. They're having an amazing start to the year. They are shooting absolutely out of their mind. This is a fun offensive team while also being a strong defensive team. I, again, really like Michigan and how far I think they can go. I'm excited to see how they perform when it comes down to when it comes down to Big Ten tournament, not tournament, Big Ten conference play, I'm really excited to see these Wolverines move forward. I think this Air Force game will be an easy breeze for them. I think they cover this by double digits. Then we have Virginia at number five. They're hopping in there. Um, Virginia, another undefeated team. They are ten and zero or eleven and zero. No, they're ten and zero. Okay. And they beat South Carolina in a game I picked again, 69-52 this week. It's pretty close, but down the end, and clearly in the second half, they're the more dominant team defensively. Offensively, they have some awesome shooters with Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy. They're going to be a tough team to beat. ACC, like I said, is one of the more dominant conferences. It's almost comparable to that of the SEC when it comes to football. Um, So Virginia and Duke definitely are going to be insane teams to watch when it comes to ACC play. We then finally have Nevada, as I've been waiting to say Nevada's name for a while. Nevada is also undefeated, 11-0. and um, They play Akron, a not-so-much game. This is We're reaching the point of the Nevada schedule where I think it's just going to be all wins from here. I think they're going to enter the tournament undefeated. Maybe we do get a shocking, shining moment from one of their conference opponents. I just don't see that occurring. But Nevada is undefeated and I think we'll finish the way out. I do like betting on Akron. I don't know why, but I've definitely put some money on their point spreads. I'm going to avoid it this week. I think Nevada is due for a big win. They've struggled. They could not cover the spread against Grand Canyon. Um, that obviously hurt your my boy over here, Roz. But uh, I think Nevada is going to come to play Saturday and definitely take it to Akron. After Nevada, we have Auburn, who just lost. So they are definitely going to be slipping in the power rankings. They are 9-2 and two now. They lost by 7, but that 
the way they finished is definitely not the way the game went, as it was a, most of the time a double-digit lead. Auburn was down, trailing this NC State team that was very, very impressive. Um, we're going to have to see if the SEC can bounce back. You know, I know I keep lumping them as a whole, but I just they're one of those conferences I just don't think is ready for the big time. And we saw Kentucky unable to beat Duke this year. We've seen only real impressive one is Tennessee beating Gonzaga, and Gonzaga has been in a little bit of a lull. But obviously, Gonzaga is who they are. I think Tennessee did step up for the conference, but I think they also just separated themselves from the conference. I think Tennessee is going to be by far and away the best SEC team. Auburn tough loss against NC State. We'll have to see how that all finishes out. Then we have Gonzaga sitting at, or yeah, we have Gonzaga sitting at eight. UNC at 9, and Michigan State still rounding out the top 10. Michigan State plays Oakland on Friday. UNC is going to have an awesome game against Kentucky on Saturday. It's going to be in Chicago. So if you're in Chicago, definitely go check that out. And Michigan State, well, they are playing, if I could ever find them. I already said they're playing Oakland. Go definitely check that matchup out. Gonzaga, not sure what's going on, but Gonzaga probably going to come away with another W. They're kind of in the same boat as Nevada where they're going to finish off their non-conference schedule, which isn't very tough, and then enter the Mountain West, probably easy breezy, lemon squeezy. So that's all we've got this segment, everybody. This has been Roz here alone on the Sporting Edge. We're definitely missing wits. Had to get you our college basketball takes and everything. We're going to be back with college football. Roz has been rocking the bowl games. He's going to also bring you some NFL, a little bit of NBA, and we're going to maybe, maybe, just maybe glance over Major League Baseball, maybe get an appearance from one of Roz's roommates on the show. Who knows? But we'll be back after the break, everybody. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back for segment two. Still only Roz here on the microphone. But we are going to bring you more college sports here as we are totally into the bowl stretch. Let me give you some bowl picks. I have been... Unbelievably good so far. Only one incorrect bull pick so far, and that is with spread. So if you are listening, it's time to make you some money. I'm very excited for it. We're going to start early on. Your boy started a little bit late. I did miss some of the games. I apologize. I did not get onto the Fresno State game or the Tulane game. Tulane covering 41-24. Fresno State beating an Arizona State team with Herm Edwards in his first year, 31-20. But then it was all uphill from there. Your boy rocking the... Saddle, Utah State, his first pick. Not a scary spread. They win 52-13. to I stopped having to watch that game halfway through as I knew that was money in the bank. I also did miss, miss the Georgia Southern game. It was 23-21 was the final score. Not totally sure where that went. Then your boy hopped on and he lied because I said I only got one wrong. I did get two wrong to start it off. Appalachian State versus Middle Tennessee. It took some misinformation from one of our former guests, um, Michael Straface. He told me to ride Middle Tennessee pretty hard. Looked good when it was 3 nothing at the end of the first quarter, but a 24-3 second quarter by Appalachian State just led to the 45-13 dismantling of Middle Tennessee. Maybe I had a little too much love for their basketball program. Their football team definitely didn't help the bank. But you move on from that. UAB didn't listen to Mike Face advice this time, took UAB minus 3. They came out on top 37-13, to beating Northern Illinois. I wanted to keep the hot streak going. Love some, me some action, so I took Ohio minus three. They win twenty-seven nothing against San Diego State in a game they absolutely dominated in the rain. They kept the ball on the ground, extending drives. San Diego State just could not get any rhythm because they were barely on the field. San Diego State taking a tough, tough loss. 
Then Roz today having a fantastic one because I'm going to skip the USF game. USF started the season 7-0, and haven't won a game since. It has been a brutal finish. I threw a little love and a little hope for them, but Marshall just came out offensive blazing and beat them, sending your boy Roz to, I think it is 3-2, and two, but it was a beautiful, beautiful Friday. Um, Florida International 35-32, the final score I ripped. Florida International pretty pretty strong. They were a plus four and a half. People loving Toledo. Florida International has been having a good run. And then I took BYU minus 12. They just whooped Western Michigan. This is not the undefeated Western Michigan of old. This is the Western Michigan of losing. And BYU with a 31-point cover. Let's get into some games that I have picked in our MOOC coming up. we got Saturday games that are very exciting. We've got the Armed Forces Bowl, which will be Army versus Houston. Right now, Army a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Ed Oliver is not going to be playing for Houston. Do you trust that the defensive end really makes that much of a difference when it comes to a spread? We saw Army struggle a little bit against Navy in their final game of the season. I kind of like Houston here. If I'm telling you to pick, I'm telling you to go Houston plus 6.5. And, and you got to know me already. I'm already on the other game. Memphis, Wake Forest. I got Memphis minus 3. I think this is going to be one of those blowout bowl games. Memphis is going to come in there and just absolutely destroy them in the Jared Bingham Bowl. Birmingham Bowl, sorry for pronouncing that the wrong way. You can get tickets as low as $14 in Birmingham, Alabama for that game. I'm sure both teams are very excited to be there. Also on Saturday, we've got Buffalo versus Troy. There is no spread for some reason for this game. I'm going to tell you I'm feeling Buffalo. I'm going to ride Khalil Mack here in the Dollar General Bowl. Um, Maybe this line is even. I'm going to tell you, ride Buffalo. Then you've got at Aloha Stadium in Honolulu, Hawaii for the SoFi Hawaii Bowl. You've got Hawaii versus Louisiana Tech. Hawaii right now a one-point favorite over Louisiana Tech. i got to go home field here. Too much traveling for Louisiana Tech. Maybe a little bit of fun for their students and the athletes, but I'm going to go Hawaii here, minus one, kind of that home field atmosphere. Feeling really good about that. We then move to Wednesday, December 26th. I know Witch would love to be a part of this. He'd love to see if he could beat me in this uh, in this field, but I don't think he would. But Wednesday, we got Boise State. To me, Boise State has always been an iconic team. From their blue field to the unbelievable runs they went on before the playoffs were a thing. Um, Boise State only a two-point favorite over Boston College. We know that Boston College has had a decent year, um, but like all the ACC teams that I called out fake, they were one of those teams as they were unable to continue their success during the ACC play. I do like Boise State, ranked 25 right now. This will be played in the Cotton Bowl, Dallas, Texas. This will be the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. So this will be a very, very interesting game. I think Boise State does come out on top. And then we got an ACC Big Ten matchup. Let's see the conferences go head-to-head, how it will look. Georgia Tech right now, five-and-a-half-point favorites over Minnesota. i got to ride with the ACC here. Minnesota, not a very good team. Um, they're going to play this in Ford Field, so it's going to be a little bit closer to home for Minnesota. But this quick, and lane, this quick lane bowl, I think, is going to go to Georgia Tech. Minus five-and-a-half, take the points. You got TCU California meeting also on Wednesday for the Cheese It Bowl. Hell yeah to Cheese It for getting their sponsor on a bowl. This will be played at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. California right now a one point favorite over TCU. I'm going to tell you right here, this has got to be the rip of the century. You got to take TCU plus one. There's no way a Pac 12 team is coming out victorious. I know what you have to say about the Big 12 defense, but TCU was ranked at one point. I think TCU rips. 
California into a new oblivion. I love TCU being the underdog in this game. Let's get to Thursday where we've got Duke versus Temple. Very classy game in my opinion. This is going to be the walk-ons independence bowl. Temple right now, three and a half point favorites. Don't look down on the Dukies. I think this is a game you got to rip. I think this has got to be a plus three and a half. Take Duke here in this game. I think, again, this is an ACC power versus a non-big or Power 5 conference team. I'm liking Duke. And then we get some fun. We get to go to Yankee Stadium in New York, New York, where we got New Era Pinstripes Bowl. Can it be any better than that when you've got Wisconsin hosting Miami? Miami, a three-point favorite here. Interestingly enough, I'm going to ride Miami in this one. In years past, I probably wouldn't, but Wisconsin being so tragically bad as they are, losing to Minnesota at home on the last game of the season, I do like Miami. Minus three here. We got a bit of a better game with Vanderbilt Vanderbilt Baylor. Vanderbilt a four-point favorite over the Baylor Bears. This is, again, where maybe SEC does stand a little bit taller than the Big 12. Vanderbilt if they can if they can score if they can find their offense you know how big 12 defense like to let them teams run so i kind of i'm on the fence about this one i kind of want to take baylor plus the points cuz i don't really know how good vanderbilt is but we're going to we're going to go with vanderbilt minus 4 just so we can go with the favorite and see if i could pull that one out of nowhere we then reach Friday, December 28th. This is we're all off of our Christmas hangovers and everything, having a good stretch of time. You've got Purdue facing Auburn in Nashville, Tennessee for the Franklin Americans Mortgage Music City Bowl. I mean, how many more titles can this bowl game have? Auburn, 7-5 versus 6-6 six and six Purdue. You know all the heart Purdue has. This is a team that has battled some adversity, beat Ohio State, has an amazing story behind them. They go on to face Auburn. Again, a big, strong SEC team that I just don't think is going to have enough or is not going to fall to this Purdue team or falter. I think Auburn's going to stuff Purdue. I like Auburn minus four. It's not too scary of a spread. Give me Auburn minus four. Then we've got a top 25 matchup uh, at 215 in the Camping Worlds Bowl. It's played in Orlando, Florida. We've got West Virginia versus Syracuse. Syracuse right now a one-point favorite over West Virginia. As I've heard, Will Greer will not play. In that instance, I do have to take Syracuse minus one. I think you've got to play for your teams. I know me and Xander have had many battles over the years about these players leaving before the bowl game just for the interest of protecting their, their hopes of their NFL career. I understand that and how important money is and the risk of injury isn't worth it at that point. But this has been a team you've been riding with all year long to bail on them in the final game of the season. does leave a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Will Greer has definitely done enough for the school of West Virginia. Would have loved to have seen him play in one more bowl game before he heads to the NFL playing field. Obviously, he's not one of the top quarterbacks coming out of the draft. we got Justin Herbert out of Oregon, who right now seems to be the favorite Um but I do like Syracuse here without Will Greer. I don't know if West Virginia is ready with their new quarterback to take on an ACC team like Syracuse that is strong on both sides of the ball. We'll definitely see how that goes. Um, and also on the last game that Friday, and we'll get more of wits when he comes back, we've got Iowa State versus Washington State. Washington State minus 3.5. I really hate the Pac-12, but this really just seems to be the game that they're going to pull off. Minus three and a half, I like Washington State, but that's all the time we have this segment. We're going to get way more bull picks next week when we have Wits on the show. We did, we'll probably overlap a little bit of the Friday games that we just discussed. This is all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge with Roz today. We'll be back after the break. 
What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back for our third segment of the Sporting Edge this week. It is once again solely on Roz to deliver you the information you want to hear. Good news for me. I've been uh, doing this now for over a year, maybe two years now. I'm not actually sure how long I've been doing this show for. And uh, we just got reached out to by another network um, that wants to talk to me, see how it goes. Kind of like an interview style thing. Might be hearing my voice somewhere else in the Los Angeles area. But let's get to the most important part, and that is the NFL and the playoff picture. This is going to be an unbiased segment for a very biased man, a guy who comes into each show wearing his green and gold very, very vibrantly on his chest. And uh, today we're not going to do that. Today we're going to give you the straightforward and the straight and narrow, and we're going to talk about what the playoffs is shaping up to be, some interesting teams, some interesting news. Obviously we'll address Josh Gordon when it comes to be. But let's start with the AFC. Kansas City 11-3. They have already clinched a playoff spot. They do play Seattle in a very important game. They are on the road. They're still obviously competing for a home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Seattle obviously competing for a spot to get in the playoffs. They took a little bit of a hit last week, losing in overtime. A lot of teams have been losing, though, in the NFC. Although last week, a little bit of a surge for the teams like the Redskins. Um and the Vikings, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. The Seahawks taking a tough fall, but Kansas City, I think this is going to be a tough environment. This is where Mahomes is going to have to show the abilities he has. He's a young quarterback going into a hostile environment in an area where they're trying to clinch home field advantage throughout the postseason. They can't obviously clinch it next week. Um, they can uh, they can move a little bit closer as Houston is behind them, which is number two right now in the AFC after a Patriots loss. Uh, that was huge for the Texans. The Texans coming off of a very important week. They're going to move forward and play the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. You've got two tough matchups, in my opinion, for the one and two of the AFC, which is helping out the New England Patriots a little bit here. But the Eagles, it's something about Nick Foles in December through January that he is the greatest quarterback of all time in those two specific months. I don't know if Houston's going to be able to pull this one off. There's a lot of momentum and a lot of mojo going on with this Philadelphia Eagles team, but this would definitely put them a step closer um, to getting a first-round bye. Um, they obviously need a win and a Patriots loss in order for that to be, occur and for them to clinch that. But we'll have to wait and see. I do, moving forward, I really do like the Texans. Are they still very young? 
yes, in terms of the quarterback position. Their defense still decently young as well. I like them to take maybe a matchup in the postseason. Don't think this is a Super Bowl caliber team yet. I think there's teams like the Chiefs and the forever lasting New England Patriots that really are kind of out there for me and I think will be performing at high levels when it comes postseason time. Houston, though, I do like to win a postseason game, and I do like the team. I like Houston. I like what they have to offer. I think that they're going to be a good team moving forward if they're able to keep all the pieces. I mean, look at DeAndre Hopkins. He is an absolute animal. Their running back tandem of Alfred Blue and Lamar Miller have really showed up down the stretch of this season. I really do like Houston. Um, I just don't know if they're at that Super Bowl caliber yet. Number three, like I mentioned, New England Patriots falling to the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, who are now number four. This is very interesting. They can clinch the AFC East with a victory over the Bills, but they'll need help from the Texans to get back to the number two spot, and that is, of course, with a Texans loss. Um, New England actually not totally out of it. So they do if they beat the Bills, they're in the clear. But if they lose out, the Miami Dolphins would actually be able to overtake the New England Patriots for the conference or for the division which has not happened in god knows how many years let's be honest when was the last time you didn't see the patriots at the top of the afc east tough loss when you only score 10 points against the pittsburgh Steelers, who just came off a brutal loss to the oakland raiders we're seeing some tough performances out of our patriots and steelers who are usually the typical monsters of the afc and even more bad news coming in this week for josh gordon as he will be indefinitely suspended I know he said he was stepping away on his own accord, but I think that was just to try to cover up the initial suspension or the inevitable suspension coming up. Um, It's sad. Uh, I think these athletes are given such an amazing gift, not only with their talents, their physical attributes, and their ability to make so much money playing a game, a game that I loved growing up, a game that I played, and a game that I still watch every single Sunday when it's on Um, And it's hard to see somebody with this immense amount of talent throw it away. And there's only been a couple other cases where I get upset about it, where I think about it. Um, Being from Chicago, I've seen so many amazing basketball players come up through the high school level, college level. One of them, which and me and Xander have definitely talked about this on the show, is Jeremy Richmond, a guy with unbelievable talent, unbelievable skill, didn't have the head for it, and just kind of got himself in trouble here, like more often than not getting kicked off of Illinois, not being drafted, getting into some other issues when he was in the G League. A guy who was definitely a potential NBA prospect who just didn't pan out because he couldn't get his head right. And that's kind of happening to Josh Gordon. I understand addiction's a problem, and I understand everybody who watches Sports Center right now is hearing about addiction this, addiction that. It's a disease, and everybody talks about their... Everyone knows somebody who's addicted, you know, whether it's to gambling, drinking sex, whatever it is, there's addiction runs rampant in this country. And although it's a disease, it's something that you can fight as a person. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. Like you can absolutely fight it though. Like cancer to a certain degree, you can't fight it anymore. Cancer is going to take you out. And addiction is something you can overcome. You really need to put the work in. You need the effort. But look at these athletes. They put the work in and the desire to be where they are. And they made it to that level. And I was really hoping Josh Gordon would find the right space, being with this New England Patriots team, a team like Tom Brady, who I honestly did think mentored him and thought of him as one of the best teammates he's ever had. And I I wished more for Josh Gordon. I wished he could lay off the weed, lay off of whatever it is. And I know it's enticing. I live in L.A. It's everywhere. Drugs are everywhere. Sex is everywhere. Alcohol is everywhere. But when you have such a great thing going for you, not only for you but for your family's sake, 
for your future children, for whatever you have. You're making so much money. And to throw that all away over the last five years for this guy, who's played in maybe a total of a season over the last four seasons, now won't be able to get back on the field for another two years. And that's if he's allowed back in the league at the end of it. I do feel really bad for the person, but at a certain point, you got to give up on somebody. Because if you don't, then you keep babying them and you keep allowing them to get keep falling back into this cycle. And I'm going to claim to know that. I have an uncle who is an absolute drug addict, who's an absolute loser at life. And nobody would stop, it, it would stop enabling him. There's just so much enabling going on. And that's what happened with Josh Gordon. And I feel really bad. But at a certain point, this is what you need. You need to be shut out. You need to be shut off because you need to get your life back on track because so many people have already tried to help you in that area. And at a certain point, there's no more help to be given to somebody who's an addict. And I, I understand that the people who are mad, like, Ethan, this is a disease. How can you be saying this? I told you, I do have sympathy for the guy. But at a certain point, my sympathy can only go so far. And we're going to leave it at that. The Patriots, to me, let's talk about them. They're always a threat come the postseason. They have Tom Brady, a guy who's been to eight Super Bowls. So I'll never count them out. Without a bye, that'll be interesting. I don't know the last time Tom Brady didn't have a bye going into the postseason. I think that will pose a challenge within itself. And if they have to go to Arrowhead, I think that poses even more of a challenge. So I think New England might. It won't be the year. I don't think New England makes the Super Bowl. I think you can see them make a run to the AFC Championship game. But if they have to go through Arrowhead, I don't think they're going to pull this one off. The Steelers, a team I think is falling well away from glory. I mean, I, there was obviously the chatter that Cleveland Browns have an opportunity to make the postseason. That is now gone. But... They are holding on by a thread. They have an 84% chance by the FPI to make the postseason. They're 8-5-1. and one. They're on a three-game ga- three losing streak was dropped when they beat the Patriots. Um, they can clinch the division with a win and a Ravens loss in Week 16. So they're going to need a, little th- a couple things to happen. I mean, they do have this game at New Orleans. It's going to be really tough. I don't know if they're going to come out of this one alive. I think the Ravens are going to get another chance of life. But then they do get the lowly Bengals. So anything is possible here. I do think the Steelers will slip in. Again, they also won't have a bye. And to be honest, they also might not have home field advantage in the first game. So we'll see. I think this is going to be an early year for the Steelers. They have so much on the offensive end, but the defense hasn't really been there. Um, I just Part of me just doesn't see it anymore with Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think he can carry this team to another Super Bowl. I don't think he's not a Hall of Famer, and I don't think he's not one of the best of the generation that's currently going on, but I think it's nearing the end as well for Ben Roethlisberger. And I think an early playoff exit this year might have people wondering if he will even return at all. Finally, we'll wrap it up with the Chargers, who are currently in the fifth, and the Ravens, who are currently in the sixth spot. Chargers clinched a playoff spot. They're just trying to fight for the Chiefs to win the division. They need a couple of things to happen there. They'll need to beat the Ravens, and then the Ravens, who play the Chargers, six and five spot. Ravens need this, obviously, to catch up to the Steelers. But that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. That was the AFC. We're going to come back with the NFC chatter, and we won't hopefully have any more dull or sad conversation topics like the Josh Gordon one, but I'm excited to talk about the NRC, and I might even say some nice things about the Bears when we get back. This is all the time we have this segment, everybody, for the Sporting Edge. This has been Roz. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Roz here at the Sporting Edge. Let's get into some NFC football talk. The postseason is near. The Saints have clinched. The Rams have clinched. The Bears have clinched. 
you know your top three spots so far, and then there's a fight, a dog fight down the rest of the way. Saints 12-2. and two. They clinched, and I think they're going to ultimately be the team with home field advantage in the playoffs. Um, they just need one more victory because they have the head-to-head over the Rams. The Saints will get the Steelers at home. To me, a game I think they can win. Obviously, Drew Brees has not been the Drew Brees we knew to start this season. Their offense has been cold, winning 12-9 against the Panthers last week. If you're a fantasy football guy, you know Drew Brees has really kind of uh, been holding people back down the stretch and probably been hurting some playoff chances. I like the Saints to uh, – I think one of these offenses will t- take off because the Rams are in the same boat where their offense has just kind of gone subtle. I think one of them will take off in the postseason. I think it may be the Saints. I really just have this feeling that Breeze is going to ignite in the postseason and take it for a second Super Bowl run. I, the Saints are my favorite right now. If you had to ask me to win the Super Bowl, that might be a little bit crazy. But when I talk about Pat Mahomes or Pat Mafarv, however I call him, I don't think he'd be able to beat the Saints team in the Super Bowl just yet. So I, the Saints are my favorite to win. The Rams at two, like I said, they've clinched their division as well. Um, they might have lost their home field advantage chances goodbye, or lost it due to their loss to the Eagles last week. Nick Foles coming out of nowhere. They do have the Cardinals, so the chance of them losing their bye, not so scary. I think they'll be able to whoop the Cardinals on the road. Um, they're going to need a Bears loss, though, this coming week and a win from them to clinch it this week. Obviously, we have one more week going down the line, but I think the Rams are going to be the two. Again, it's a young situation. I know they were in the postseason last year. Jared Goff, to me, has great flashes, great moments, and we saw that loss last year in the postseason. It was a tough one to to watch because Goff did perform pretty well. I think, again, we see that, especially if they run up into the Bears again, if they run up against the Saints again. It's just two tough teams on the defensive and offensive side that I don't know if the Rams will be able to keep up with or perform against. I don't know if the Rams are going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. I think they have an earlier exit than expected. They are a very good team, so they can stick it to me for those comments. But we'll have to wait and see. The Chicago Bears, 10-4. and four. They are sitting at number three right now. They officially eliminated the Packers last week and officially clinched the division for the first time since 2010. Um, congratulations to the Chicago Bears. It's been their season. I talked about it early on. The trade is one of the more horrendous things I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, John Gruden really changed the entire outlook of the NFL season with the trade of Khalil Mack. And I'm putting it here first. I think Khalil Mack should be MVP. You talk about pieces that are most valuable to your team. And we understand how valuable the quarterback is and why people like Drew Brees, Jared Goff are competing for this MVP or Pat Mahomes. Um... But Khalil Mack changed an entire team and its entire culture. A team that was not a playoff team at all. Remotely close to it last year. And with not many hopes coming into this season. Young Mitch Trubinsky, an offense that's new with Matt Nagy. Khalil Mack comes in there and instantly puts the lick in on Aaron Rodgers. And we saw that in the first half of that first game. And barring an unbelievable comeback, this Bears team is 11-3 and and competing for a first-round bye. This Bears team is really, really impressive, and it's a lot to do with Khalil Mack. That's why I am the advocate for him being the MVP this season because he is the sole purpose and the sole reason that this Bears team is pushing forward like they are. I know Bears fans can either argue that and be upset that I'm saying that. I know their offense is great. I know Matt Nagy is a great coach, but there's no Khalil Mack and there's no playoffs if you don't merge these two things together in Chicago. So we'll see. 
Um, the Dallas Cowboys at four, slipping last week with another embarrassing loss, being shut out by the Indianapolis Colts. Would love to see the tumble. Would love to see a team like the Washington Redskins sneak in with a four-string quarterback over the Dallas Cowboys. I think that would put an end to the Jason Garrett and hopefully the Jerry Jones era. I know there's no way to end that because he's too stubborn to give it up, but his teams have been trash since the Jimmy Johnson days, and he got rid of Jimmy Johnson, and the karma has stuck. Dallas, to me, have no shot in the postseason, so it doesn't matter where they slip in. They have a 95% chance to get in. I'm not that concerned, in all honesty. Um, they play Tampa at home. They're going to beat them. They'll get there, and they're just going to get romped by whomever they play in the postseason. Number five, the Seattle Seahawks, who are 8-6. and six. To me, were the hottest team moving forward. Russell Wilson looked like he was putting it together. They were the best running team in the NFC uh, took a tough loss in overtime to the to the whatchamacallit, to the San Francisco 49ers. They will face the Kansas City Chiefs at home in another tough matchup. They're not out of it um, yet in terms of they're not in the playoffs per se at all. They're going to need to win some games. The Chiefs definitely a tough matchup. This would be a statement win for Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks and a team I would say watch out for. If they made an NFC Championship push, wouldn't be surprised. They're actually one of my sneaky picks to get back to the Super Bowl if it isn't the Saints. And then we got the lowly Minnesota Vikings, who are going to be playing on the road at the Detroit Lions. I think that's a win that Kirk Cousins will take. Kirk Cousins loves beating on the bad teams but not showing up for the good teams. I think Kirk Cousins and the Vikings at 65% are going to sneak in or are not going to get in. I think the Eagles are going to find their way back in. They are 7-7 seven and seven and in the hunt. I think Minnesota is going to lose to the Bears in Week 17, causing an epic shift. I think the Eagles will get into the postseason um, as the wild card six, and then we'll see some Nick Foles magic. You know, It's pretty crazy to see. The Redskins, like I said, are down to a fourth-string quarterback, so there's not a lot of hope there when it comes to them making it. And then you've got the Carolina Panthers, who are just on an absolute downfall. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. Cam Newton has been shut down for the rest of the year, as it does not look like they'll be making the postseason as well. Um, Cam Newton has been an embarrassment to the Carolina organization this year, has not shown a whole lot of effort, heart, desire to win, a urge to win. I've seen games put into his hand, and he's been unable to close. It's been tough to watch for a guy I really liked and admired. Um, I've heard reports that he isn't really studying hard. He isn't really focused in on um, opponents' video and stuff like we've seen on the Tom Brady Tom first time videos where he's just constantly focused on the next opponent to be. Um, I hope he gets better, man, because he's got the weapon of the century and Christian McCaffrey behind him. I mean, almost like 70% of each play goes through Christian McCaffrey. The guy's been an animal this year. Um, I love seeing Christian McCaffrey in the open field. I love seeing the amount of catches he has. I mean, he's over 90 receptions this year. It's like he's a receiver playing running back. It's fantastic to see. I think this team has the potential. They're giving him some weapons. Um, DJ Moore looks pretty good. Curtis Samuel is an awesome weapon. Um, they're, a year, they're a couple years away, maybe a year away from being relevant again. They're playing in a tough, tough division. I know Atlanta's been horrible this year, and I know Tampa hasn't really shown much, but Atlanta can always improve. I mean, Matt Ryan statistically has been really impressive. Julio Jones is a monster. Their defense was very banged up, so Atlanta will be a different team come next year as well. And, of course, the Saints, as long as Drew Brees is there, is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um but I, like I said, it's pretty much the end of the road for Cam Newton and the Panthers this year as they are done. Like I said, I like the Eagles slipping into the postseason, even keeping the 
Cowboys in it. I think two teams will come from the NFC East, I believe. Yes, it is the East. Um, but like I said, early, early exit for the Cowboys. I just I want everyone to know that there is no hope for Dak Prescott. I don't think he's going to be an elite quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a franchise quarterback. And I think we're two years out from hearing the, mummer, the murmurs and the mutters that his time as the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys is coming to an end. But just as that is coming to an end, so is this week's episode. I want to thank everybody who is listening. We are going to get you a nice after-holiday episode next week, which will be back. We'll be talking NBA, which I didn't do it all today. All I have to say about the NBA is the Celtics seem as talented as can be but cannot win games currently, so they'll have to figure that out. But we'll be back with more of that information next week. We'll have more bowl games to go through. We are nearing the New Year's Six games and the playoff itself. We're very excited. Obviously, Alabama is my pick moving forward to win the national title, and I think it's going to be two massive blowouts when it comes time for the first rounds of the playoffs. But that is all the time we have this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more sports and more fun from Wits and Roz here at The Sporting Edge. Have a good night, everybody. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.